things that we want to do. Uh, if you are a Christian, if you've crossed the line of faith, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, we have the same devotion. Now, that doesn't change. That our hearts are to be anchored in Christ completely. That never changes. And so if I was to title this message, if I was to start the year, and really I want it to be the theme for the whole year, for 2017, is that yes, this is a new year, but it's the same devotion. God calls us to the same devotion. It's the same devotion that's going to get us through. We need to continue to fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. And so to do so, to remind us of this beautiful truth, and maybe to some, to introduce you to this beautiful truth, we're going to be in the book of Psalms. And so if you have your Bible or electronic device, you can meet me in Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, I believe it'll be up on the screen as well. And like always, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to us, and, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I ask that you pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this very morning. And so hear these words of our Father from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish just that far. Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, it is active, that it continues to work even thousands of years after it, has, it was written. And so we ask for that same Holy Spirit that was there when it was penned to be here this very morning. Would you open up our hearts? We want to receive from you. We want to see you. We want to experience you. Would you meet us where we are, that we're all coming from different places. And even as we start this new year, I'm sure there's lots of things that we're thinking about, the challenges that lie ahead there's lots to be excited about as well. Father, we want all of that to be centered around you. And so would you do that this very morning? Would you remind us of your beautiful, beautiful grace that you richly lavish over us? I pray against any distractions here this morning. And so it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body. Think through my mind. Speak through my mouth those things you'd have us no say and do. May the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May all that we do be a sweet fragrance to you. We love you, we praise you, and it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. So verse 1 starts by saying, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. This word, blessed. I believe that in our context, in our culture, in the church space, we've misunderstood this word. How we read it now when we think about uh, being blessed is to go, listen, it's about the material things that I have. To be blessed is to have all these material things. It's to be healthy. It's to have lots of zeros in the bank. Well, I guess after a number, right? That would be important. <laughs> right? To have zeros, it's like, what? I don't want that kind of blessing. But that's how we understand this word, to be, to be blessed. But if we look at the scriptures, if we really dig deep, if we really want to understand what this word means, it's completely different to how we talk about it today. 
See, the word blessed means to be content. It means to be satisfied. It means to be complete. And we will be told time and time again that that only comes from being rooted, being anchored, finding everything that you need in Christ. That's what it means to be blessed. That's how you will be content. That is how you will be satisfied. It's not reaching to all these other different things. I know many of us, we realized this in 2016. We put our hope in all these different things, believing that they will satisfy us, that they will give us all the joy that we need. They make so many promises, but they never deliver. They never deliver. We find ourselves at the same place, longing for something else, for something better. And the book of Psalms tells us that that is only found in Christ. In fact, when when you read the book of Psalms, I love Psalm 1. It's kind of like the intro to the book of Psalms. It it always talks about these two roads. The entire book of the Psalms is is these two roads. It's either you're going to walk the road of Christ or the other road that leads to death. You're either going to walk the path of God Or as we'll see in a moment, the path of those who are wicked, those who don't believe in God. That's the whole book of Psalms. And so we're told here that, that blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. And what I love about this, I only saw this this morning. This is crazy. What I love about this is that um, it doesn't say that uh, blessed is the king or blessed is the scholar Blessed is the rich. It doesn't say that. It just says, blessed is the man. I love that. Because that means you and I, you and I can enter into the space of being blessed. That it's not about where you studied or how much money you have. It's that it's this invitation to be blessed, to be content, to be satisfied is made to everyone. You and I. You and I can be blessed in the way that the scripture communicates it to be content and to be completely satisfied. But he goes on, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's so much to be said about this, really. I mean, we could spend uh, a whole month just unpacking those few words. But what I want us to notice is the progression of sin. Y'all see that? The progression of sin. Sin, that you, you start by walking and then standing and then all of a sudden you're sitting. This goes against this, this phrase that so many of us use. Oh, I just fell into sin. I just, I just kind of fell into it. I, I was walking and then all of a sudden this woman was there and I was like, I don't know what's going on. No one falls into sin. It's a progression. It's a progression. You start by walking and then standing. And all of a sudden, you're sitting. You're sitting. We can say that these words speak of maybe thinking, behaving, and then belonging. Thinking, behaving, and then belonging. But the righteous man, the one who is blessed, does things differently. He does not think like the wicked. He does not behave like the wicked. And so therefore, he does not belong with the wicked. Sin progresses. You will always start by walking. That's the thinking. No, I'm just hanging out. I'm just hanging out here. 
Guys, I know the, the excuses because I use them. No, I'm just, I'm just reaching out. Just reaching out with these folks. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, right? I know the, the missional people in the room, those who are like, listen, I feel like God has called me to the broken. That, that's everyone, right? So it's not a few, it's not a select, it's everyone. He has called us to the broken, but, but there's a difference. There's a difference between engaging and then actually just kind of walking with them and all of a sudden you're receiving advice from them. You show up with your Christian friends and, and they're like, where'd you hear that from? What? No, that's not how we think about marriage. That's not how we handle our finances. It starts by just kind of naturally walking with them. And then all of a sudden you behave like the wicked. You behave like those who don't know God. It's when you begin to stand with them. And then all of a sudden you belong. You belong, and, and you sit there, and you're like, how on earth did I get here? Well, it progressed. It progressed. It started somewhere. And you're probably not believing uh, one of many promises that God has given to us that are made, yes, in Christ. It started there by going, oh, I don't know, I'm going to take things into my own hands. Let me, let me walk this way. Let me get off the path that God has put me on. That leads to behaving and then leads to belonging. And so the psalmist tells us that, no, listen, the one who is blessed, the one who finds uh, joy and satisfaction in God does not behave this way. He does things differently. Verse 2, but his delight, this is the one who is blessed, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night to delight. Guys, when I was preparing for this, I was like, this was convicting me at every angle. Do I delight? Do I delight in the law of the Lord? When the Old Testament talks about the law, it's talking about the scriptures, the entire scripture. So I want you to, to think about that. When you hold your Bible, do you delight in that? Do you find joy in that? Martin Luther, the reformer, not Martin Luther King, said that he could not live in paradise without the word of God. But he could live well enough in hell with it. It's profound. Could you be in the worst place ever, but be like, you know what, I'm okay, because I have the word of God and I'm going to delight in it. Or are you reaching elsewhere for your joy? Think about it. These are questions that we need to ask ourselves for those who have crossed the line of faith, for those who say they believe in Jesus. Do you delight in the law, the Word of God? If a person delights in something, you don't have to beg them to do it. They will do it all by themselves. You don't have to beg them to do it. Do we encourage? Absolutely. But there's a, there's a begging that just kind of feels like, you know what, you don't really want to do this. And that's because you haven't put your faith in Jesus. You are on a different path. Those who are blessed will delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. This is rhythm. This is rhythm. 
Look, I know we, you guys are busy people. Lots to do. Your schedules are constantly changing. But the one thing that's constant is day and night. The one thing I am sure of, listen, there's lots that I, I'm unsure about. Even today, I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing for lunch. I have no idea as I, as I look to my wife. But the one thing I'm certain of is night is coming. And unless the Lord returns, when I go to bed, I know the one thing that's going to happen is day is coming. And so the psalmist is referring to rhythm, that we should have a, a healthy rhythm of getting in the Word. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to like, okay, listen, you need, at 6 o'clock, that's when you need to get up. It's, no. Because then that quickly becomes legalistic. You move from devotion to duty. What God's calling us to is a healthy rhythm of being in the Word. And you need other people around you to help you figure out that rhythm. Look, I'm, I'm better in the morning, or maybe I'm better at night, or maybe at lunchtime. Maybe when I get on the bike and I'm, I'm riding through the city, I'm listening to the Word through my iPod. A healthy rhythm. Do you have one? As you enter 2017, do you have a healthy rhythm of getting in the Word? Why? So that you might delight in it. You can't delight in something that you know nothing about. Day and night. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. He is like a plant, deeply rooted, deeply rooted by streams of living water. Because that's where you're getting your nourishment from, from the living water. It's from here. Are you deeply rooted in here or are you rooted elsewhere? Are you rooted elsewhere? And I know for many of us, we'll, we'll go, no, 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 I'm deeply rooted in the Scriptures. But then the fruit will be evidence of that. The fruit will be evidence of that. Are you bearing fruit? And I know for many of us, listen, I use the word us because I include myself in this. I am no different I too am in desperate need of the gospel. And so this is what we do. We are not rooted in the scriptures. Maybe for a season we'll find ourselves uh, rooted in success. Rooted in the praise of others. But we know, we know that, that the evidence is fruit. And so this is what we do. Because we're not bearing fruit, because we're not rooted in the scriptures, this is what we do. We go, my goodness, I am not bearing fruit. I can't show up on Sunday and, and, and oh, I'm going to be exposed. And so I put on plastic fruit. That's what I do. I put on plastic fruit. And from far, plastic fruit looks legit. It really does. Like, like, when you walk into a reception, and like, like doctor's offices, and like they tend to do that with the, with the fake flowers, and like you walk in, so from, from the door you'll be like, wow, those are amazing. But when you're up close and you're like, what? what is this? What is this? Can I trust this doctor? Like, come on, you know what I mean? 
It's from up close when we can really see if this is real, if this is plastic. But let me continue with what I do, because you guys are perfect. This is what I do. I go, you know what? I am not rooted in, in the scriptures. I'm, I'm rooted elsewhere, and I'm not bearing fruit. And so I put on this plastic fruit, and then I keep people at a distance. I keep people at a distance. I show up on Sunday. That's about it. Hey, you're coming to City Group. Oh, man, things are really busy at the moment and at work. And I just, because you know it's in those intimate spaces people will see. Brother, that is not patience. Sister, that is not self-control. That is not self-control. And look, I know, I know you guys are highly competent, highly educated people. And so I know that there are seasons in your work life where you are incredibly busy. I understand that. But there are seasons. And if you were bearing the fruit of, let's take self-control, you'd be able to go, you know what, for this season I'll work, I'll push, but I need some break here. I need a a time of rest. I can't continue here. I'm going to practice self-control. But you can do that because you are bearing the fruit of self-control. But when you're not anchored in the scriptures, then you're not bearing the root of self-control. And so therefore you're out there doing whatever it is that you want to do. And, it, and it's always, it's always, it's always, it's always like when it's way too late that this comes to the surface. That we realize, oh my goodness, you, you're actually hurting? Oh my goodness, is, is your marriage in trouble? Oh my goodness, you, you're, you're running after all these things, hoping to find life in them, and, and this is the consequence of sin? That's when it's too late. That's when it's too late. It's because you've kept yourself at a distance, parading yourself with this plastic fruit because you are not like a plant. You're not like a tree deeply rooted, receiving living water so that you might bear much fruit. And so if we are to be devoted in 2017, we must be rooted in the scriptures. We, we have to be. We have to be. If we're going to make a difference in the city, if you want to be influential in your place of work, where you live, around your friends, you must be rooted in the scriptures. Why? So that you might bear much fruit. But let me say something about this fruit, because the psalmist mentions it. He says this, this fruit yields, or this tree yields its fruit in its season. In its season. There's so many churches out there that are going, listen, if you come to Jesus, you will bear fruit all the time. All the time. You will bear much fruit. But the psalmist says, no, 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 it's in its season. And so that means that there will be times when you are deeply rooted in the scriptures. And it's still hard. It's still tough. But don't give up. Hold on to hope. God is still at work. It may not be your season yet. It may not be your season yet, but but persevere. That's why we believe in community. That's why we have city groups. That's why we have discipleship groups. It's not because it's like, man, we just need to fill up people's schedules. No. It's so that you might walk with others. That I might be able to, to walk with a few and lament. I know that's a word that Many churches or many Christians don't know we should. To lament is to, is to grieve. It's to cry out to God and be like, God, I, just, I don't feel you in this season. I'm longing for you. I'm desperate for you. Can I be honest? That was 2016 for me. 
as I look out to a broken world, to a broken city, to be able to lament, to cry out to God, when will you show up? If you read the Psalms, I, I love David, I love David. I feel like I can identify with him because he feels like a, a schizo. You read one Psalm and he's like, where are you? And then the next page is like, oh, I love you so much. I feel you. I want to embrace you. I'm like, are you serious? Are you? But that's me. That's my life. And so we are to be deeply rooted in the scriptures, surrounded by others, and to wait on the Lord, to trust him and to wait on the Lord because he will bring fruit. Nine out of ten, it's not when you want it but it's when you need it. And I would rather have fruit when I need it than when I want it. He goes on to say, and its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. That's one of the ways that farmers will know that, listen, this tree still has life, even though it's not bearing fruit. Its leaves don't wither. Because when they begin to wither, then that tree is dead. It's done. Its leaves will not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In all that he does, he prospers. And again, let's not misunderstand this. Because many people will take this and run with it and go, you know what, that means I have the Midas touch. Right? Anything that I touch just turns to gold. Because that's what it says here, right? It says, and in all that he does, he prospers. Yes and no. Yes and no. See, people who run with it and, and think that this is talking about having the Midas touch, uh, they, they're thinking in terms of material things. It's like, oh, this means that, man, my business will prosper. This means that I'm going to do well and my relationships will be fantastic. Because that's what it says, right? In all that he does, he prospers. So surely that's what he's talking about. Yes and no. See, I'd rather have us understand it this way. I believe that the psalmist is communicating it this way. That is to be understood that whatever fruit he or she produces will prosper. Whatever fruit he or she produces will prosper, that it will come to maturity. And so if that is self-control, then, then that will come to maturity. You will prosper in that area. If it's patience, something that I am in desperate need of, that that will come to maturity and then that will prosper. But, but, but here's why I say yes and no regarding the Midas touch. If that is happening, if that is happening, then it has implications on how I work, on how I engage with others. My, my relationships will be so much better if I'm just a little bit more patient. I mean, think about it, think about it. If you have a little bit more discipline, now I know there's, there's lots of other factors that come into play, but if you have a little bit more discipline, don't you think that your work life will be a little bit better? Maybe stop watching series all the time. We do it all the time. It's like, I'm just going to sit and watch series the whole time. Why is my work not getting done? What you produce, the fruit that you will produce will come to maturity, that it will prosper, and then that will have incredible implications on how you live, how you work, and how you play. 
But I believe it's in those seasons, it's like God is like, I just, I'm ready to use you. How I'm going to put you in a place that is in desperate need of self-control or goodness or love or hope or grace. Because that fruit that you are bearing is coming to maturity. So in all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, the wicked, this is those who decide to take a different path. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, if you're like me, like a city slicker, I like to believe that I am a city slicker. I don't know why you're laughing like that, man. Like, I, yeah, come on. Um, if you live in the city, is that better? Then you would read that word, the word chaff, and just kind of just continue. You'd keep moving. I had no idea. When I read it for the first time, I was like, I have no idea what that is. I know it's bad, so I don't want to be that. Let's just keep going. I'm, where are the golden nuggets? Where, where, like, I don't want to sit on that word. What does it mean? But, but if we don't, we'll miss so much here. We will miss so much here. When we understand what this word means, the implications are incredible. And so you're probably sitting there and asking, so what is chaff? I'm glad you asked. Chaff is it's a, a light shell around a kernel of grain, which must be stripped away before the kernel of grain can be grounded into flour. So if you think of a grain, the chaff would be like that outer part that exists around the grain. It has no worth, no value. We can't eat it. I believe farmers sometimes use it to feed livestock so it's good for animals, not for us. They burn the stuff. I mean, and it's, it's so light. I mentioned that it's light, that, that what they used to do back in the day is that they would uh, put it in a basket and then just kind of throw it up in the air and, and as the wind comes through, it would just take those the chaff away, and it's the grain that would remain. What's the implication? See, I believe that there are so many people who are in the church but are not part of the church. That was good. You know, if you take your notes, write that, write that. Um, what's the implication for that? I believe that there are many people who are in the church but are not part of the church. And what I mean by that, right, I know the theology could be a little wacky, but listen to the words, listen to how I explain it. That there are so many, so many people who, who come here on a Sunday, who gather at their city groups, believing that they are Christians, believing that they have crossed the line of faith, but haven't because they are not devoted to Jesus. They are not anchored in Jesus. And so the psalmist is saying, listen, guys, be careful, be careful. You will come and you will experience and, and you will enjoy, but, but you've got to ask yourself this question. You've got to ask yourself this question. Do I have a relationship with Jesus? Have I put my faith and my trust in him? Not, am I riding the wave of my parents' faith? Not, am I riding the wave of my city group's faith, my church's faith? Now, all those things have been given to you as an act of grace by God. He's, it's, he's gracious when he places you in a home where both parents love the Lord. He is gracious when he puts you in a city group. He's gracious when he places you in a church. But you have to make that decision for yourself. Have I put my faith in Jesus? Do I trust him? Do I look to him as the author and perfecter of my faith? 
Because I would hate for anyone in this room, I would hate it for anyone in this room, this is why we do what we do, to one day meet with Jesus and for him to look at you and to say, I have no idea who you are. Jesus says it. He says, many will come to me on that day. Did we not perform miracles? Did we not raise the dead? They, they were in it. And Jesus would be like, I, I don't know who you are. The wind drives away the chaff. So the psalmist tells us that there's a huge difference between a tree that is firmly rooted and chaff that is light and the wind so easily blows away. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Those who choose the path of unrighteousness are so unstable and lack substance that they will not stand on the day of judgment. They will not stand on the day of judgment. This is not popular teaching. People don't like to talk about judgment. But the problem is, how can, how can we talk about grace if we can't talk about judgment? How can we talk about God's love if we can't talk about judgment? What am I being saved from? We must talk about it. And so the psalmist says that, listen, those who choose the path of righteousness, those who believe that they are their own saviors, they are unstable and lack substance and will not stand on the day of judgment. As it was said of King Belshazzar in the book of Daniel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. You have been weighed, you have been tested. And your faith is lacking. You don't know who God is. You have chosen a different path. The psalmist wraps up verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For the Lord knows, he knows, he knows the way of the righteous. This word know is that the Lord protects the righteous. He loves the righteous. He pours grace over the righteous. Those who look to him as author and perfecter of their faith, he will keep you till the end. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. None of us are righteous. None of us are righteous. The word righteous means to be right before God, that we are perfect before God. None of us are righteous. And if you think you are, then you haven't been spending a lot of time with people who are different to you. Because they'll quickly go, mm, no. You are not righteous. You are not perfect. Many of us, what we'll do is we'll, we'll set the standard uh, low enough that we can get over it, but no one else. And so that becomes the standard. That becomes perfection. But God calls us to something higher something that none of us can attain. You will never be good enough. You will never be good enough. And so then who is this passage talking about? Who then are the righteous? Because if that is true, if none of us are righteous, then that means we've chosen the path of wickedness. And we're told here that they will perish. So, so who on earth is the psalmist talking about? 
but he's talking about those who find themselves in Jesus. Because there was only one who was righteous. There was only one who was perfect, and that was Jesus Christ. This is why grace is so amazing. If, if you hear nothing this morning, hear this. If you're going to take one thing, take this. This is why grace is so amazing. Because it looks at you and it looks at me, people who are not perfect, who are not righteous, who make mistake after mistake after mistake, who are not even willing to acknowledge that they are weak, that you and I are weak. And it says, you know what, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to invite. And God does that by sending Jesus, the one who is perfect, to come and live the life that you and I could not live. And that perfect life allowed a perfect death. And that perfect death led to a perfect resurrection and then a perfect ascension. And so Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father and continues to pour grace on us. Why and how? By praying for us. By praying for us. Even this very morning, Jesus prays for us. And so if you want to know who the righteous are, it's those who find themselves in the covering of Jesus, those who put their faith and trust in him, those who look to him as author and perfecter of their faith, those who are willing to come before him and say, you know what, I am weak, I'm not good, I'm in desperate need of you. And when you are covered by Jesus, God sees you as righteous. He sees you as perfect. And so we get to live out of that perfection. Do you hear that? We get to live out of that perfection. The perfection that was given to us, that we cannot work for, it was given to us freely. And so as we look to 2017, let's just let's bring it closer. As we look to next week as we talk about vision, as we try to figure out what it is that God has called us to. It's a new year, but hey guys, it's the same devotion. It's the same devotion. That's not going to change. It'll never change. If anybody stands up here and gives a different devotion, then you know, listen, this ain't the church I need to be at. It's the same devotion. It's the same calling. We will continually call you back to Jesus time and time again. Because only then will we be able to go out. Only then will we be able to go and, and, and become the influence that God has called us to be. So Rooted Fellowship 2017, I hope that we come to the end of it and go, man, 2017 happened to us. No, no, no. No, 2017 will not be like 2016. We happened to 2017. We influenced 2017. We had an impact on 2017. And that's only because we were devoted. Devoted to God through Jesus Christ by the power of His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. And so, Father, it's with that same heart that we want to look to You and acknowledge that this is not easy, that we have so many things that are going to be pulling us in different directions. So many things that are going to be seeking the attention of our hearts. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would intervene in a powerful way, that we would hold on to you, that we would trust you, 
that in everything that we do, we would consider your ways. Help us to delight in your word, to find joy and satisfaction in it. Surround us with men and women who will encourage us to, to do that. I hope that we would be an encouragement to them, that we want to be the church. We really, really want to be the church. But the only way that will happen is if we are devoted in you. Because if we are not, we're just another book club, we're just another social club, we're just another NGO. But when we are anchored in you, we become the church. And your word says that it's through the church that you will display your manifold wisdom to the world. That it's through us, ordinary individuals who are in desperate need of you. It's through us that people will look and long for you. What a privilege to be called into something so beautiful that will go on throughout eternity. And so Lord, I ask that our, our hearts collectively uh, would find everything that we need from you. In Jesus' beautiful, beautiful name we pray. Amen.